Chitheads, welcome back to another instalment of Board Chitless. We've been away for a little while, but we've managed to uh, bring our partying social lives to an end and play more <laughs> board games. It's great to uh, be talking to you. This week we've been playing Fireteam Zero. I'm Alexis Williams, and tonight I'm joined by... Sam and Tristan. They've gone for the first names only and made me look like a fool. We just do whatever you don't do. It's, it's a solid way to roll. Um, so, before we get started talking about Fireteam Zero and how much of a um, crazy World War or Weird War 2 game that it is, we get a little update on Hall Enough in Productions. How's the reprint Kickstarter going for the gloom of Killforth? Oh, nice. Thanks. Like, this is my opportunity to plug It was, <laughs> and now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I had the five seconds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. And chuffed to bits. We're over the moon. We've just gone over the 100k mark today, and uh, it's just bonkers but i'll be blabbing about that in the update tonight so i don't want to take up all the podcast going on with myself about it so okay um, but yeah no absolutely amazing and uh, the backers have just been incredible nice one and we've got some um expansions included this time around gloomy killforth expansions yeah you can see a chance to get the reprint and uh, a whole bunch of new content for it and we've unlocked tons of stretch goals as well so there's loads of extra cards thrown into the expansion content and um yeah, it's just really exciting. It's been really well received. We sold out within a few weeks and it looks like the demand's there for people to come back and we've got, you know, a couple of thousand people behind us. So it's just brilliant. Really good fun campaign and loads of uh, fun comments in the, in the comment section from like the lunatics who've, uh, who've been there from the beginning. Fantastic. And where's the, if anyone wanted to learn a bit more about the expansions and the game itself, what's the best place for them to do that? Uh, probably just Google Gloom of Killforth Kickstarter and uh, it's all live and everything so you should get straight there we're on facebook we're on board game geek and everywhere else so as long as you can spell killforth k-i-l-f-o-r-t-h uh yeah it's it's a bit of a google whack uh, it should take you right to us awesome so going on to fire team zero and the weird west game that it is um who wants to let everyone know what the hell the game involves i, I wouldn't say it was weird west i'd say weird war two maybe Oh, Gazumpta. It's a game, Dungeon Crawl, one to four players, 14 plus, one to two hours. It's set in the uh, World War. You are the members of Fireteam Zero. Basically going out there to take on the Nazi beings, the genetically modified humans, the creatures that were created or supposedly created in labs and all sorts not uh, strictly nazi by the way just i think the the lore is more about these weird artifacts that produce them and and, and they produce them when there are big conflicts happening so they turned up in world war one and now they're back in world war two yes I think, I think i'm getting my stories mixed up but the, you know, uh, you know it's, it's the war with the nazis in it <laughs> uh yeah the uh designers up here uh mark mike mark uh mike langlois Christian Leonhard and Loic Musi. Uh, I, for my brief opinion, I love this. It's one of my favourite dungeon crawls at the minute, if not ever. Really? It's certainly up there. When I'm comparing it to some of them, had, uh, the difference of the characters, the play style, the combat is really quite easy. It's fast-paced. The spawning's easy. Everything flows really nicely. You got a lot of diversity, and it—you don't just feel like you're just walking through killing stuff. It, although that's part of it, it's 
that's a never-ending cycle. It's not just get to the boss at the end and kill it. You've actually got to achieve things. There's goals all the way through. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that at the minute. What do you think, Lucky? Um, again, yeah, I'll agree with Sam. I don't know if it's the best dungeon crawler I've played, um, but it's certainly up there. What I really liked about it is because of the theme and the monsters, the way that the um, narrative flows. So when you undo all your twist cards and you open up the objectives, you get to read a little bit of flavor text. And that reads really well, like um, Manchester of Madness, and really like draws you into the adventure that you're going through. And then with the combat, the combat works so well, it's pretty much effortless. You're just throwing cards down. Uh, working out how many dice are going to roll and getting through those. Um, and it, it feels like a mashup between Manchester Madness and Zombicide. It probably shows a little bit of a lack of imagination by comparing it to two <laughs> other games. But um, there just seems to be a lot of meat in there and there's a lot of mechanics going on at once, but they don't ever seem to slow the game down by trying to work out what's going on. Um, I really like the levelling up at the end of a scenario. You just quickly add an upgrade um, set of cards add an extra focus, swap out another focus. So your focus is basically special abilities. Um, every now and again, usually once per turn, you can just do something pretty cool that ends up saving someone's life or just kill an extra monster. But it always just adds that little bit of flair to your character um, and does it in a really like nice way. I think as a game, it's really well thought out and there's none of those like rough edges that sometimes you encounter. It's just generally... Um, a very well put together piece of uh, gaming design. Cool. Um, you touched on the twists there, mm. which are like throughout the scenario as time advances, we draw a card and it, it changes all of the enemies. So each sort of scenario has its own thematic set of bad guys, which could be like the thorn spawn or the bloodless or the fetch or um, whatever. Or the bait bags. The bait bags. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are minging. And, um, so each of the twists are thematic to those monster types, which is really cool. And basically, as as the time goes on, hits like certain points along the, the threat track. Effectively, you flip one of these twist cards, and um, there's an effect. So it could either be fairly benign, or it can be game ending, like reducing your hand size, which is effectively your health, or um, making the monsters tougher. We had that second scenario we played; all the monsters got buffed so high. We were struggling to take out the even like the just the minions and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they were practically impossible, weren't they? Yeah, and I think that's it's cool that it keeps you on your toes with almost every element of the game. It also hugely punishes you for um, bad tactics. So we always fall into this trap of like um, going and searching because the searching bit's kind of fun and it helps advance the objectives. So you're like ransacking houses to find you know a missing person or destroy an, an altar or whatever. And in your rush to do that, you have to be really careful about how far into the enemy territory you move. Because if you go off on your own and get pounced on by you know, just a couple of guys and you can't defend yourself against them, you are toast. And if you're toast, that can literally end the game because you've got like one life between you. You've got this, this coin flip. So as soon as somebody goes down, uh, it's totally cooperative. One player down, we flip the coin. There's like a coin that represents your luck or whatever. And if another player goes down after the coin's flipped, it's game over. And as we experienced to our detriment in that last game, I went off wandering. I was like, I'm going to do all the searching all by myself uh, and went down. And you guys, I was too far away from you for you to be able to come and rescue me. We got surrounded and we got toasted. 
And it totally came down to that greed of like, I shouldn't have done that. And you can always sort of trace your actions back to, we should have carefully moved and fired and supported each other and everything else. And as soon as you sort of get cocky and, yeah, I'm going to take everybody on all by myself, you know, the game will hit, hit you back hard. And I really like that. I really like that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, unforgiving. Well, I think um, the scenario before we got absolutely uh, dackered, we were playing, it was like a hospital um, army base and there was lots of long corridors and small rooms with very few doors. And it felt like you could almost like hide away in a room, wait for the perfect moment to leap out again and strike. Whereas the second scenario where we did get killed was just a big open town with a few places to hide and uh, shoot out of and a few places of, um, you know, market stalls and right in the town center yeah exactly and um i think because it was so wide it was so easy for us to be overrun and we didn't quite appreciate that whereas when the army base the monsters were getting bottlenecks as much as we were and it was maybe easier to deal with them um but i've noticed with some of the scenarios in this game it's quite binary really um you can either deal with them quite easily maybe it might be posing a bit of difficulty towards the end or you don't really last two or three turns <laughs> yeah it's got it's got a difficulty uh, streak, um, and each sort of their um, acts, I guess they're called, or, or they're made up of three acts. Each sort of scenario. So the first one is usually sort of an intro thing where you're just up against a couple of minions, and then in the second scenario they'll introduce the minions and elites, and that's where the real difficulty sort of uh, comes in. And usually there's a few game mechanics that'll support that. And then the final scenario is the minions, the elites, and a boss, and those are the really you know, really tricky, uh, difficult scenarios. And the bosses in this game are, are ruthless as well. Um, but with really, really careful plotting and planning, which we never use, you could probably beat this game. <laughs> we started off that first mission and it, to me, felt a bit of a breeze. Uh, we didn't really feel overwhelmed and the minions we were able to keep under pretty, pretty well controlled. But on that second game, when the map opened up from having lots of corridors... You, the enemies were within two to two moves or two actions were able to get to us from anywhere on the map, which changed things completely. Because there's no hiding then, is there? No, you're not waiting for them to come around corners or to snake their way through a path. Uh, the the movement's done on spaces, so it's just they'll move two or three spaces. You get wide open spaces, and they can be leaping across the entire map in one turn. They get that bonus of movement, and they're on top of you. So you definitely feel like it's their territory, don't you? And you're in. Yeah, so it it ramps it up by that, but just by flipping the board over to the outside suddenly changes the dynamics of the the monsters that are there and makes them a hell of a lot more threatening than they were in the previous game because you could just kite them a lot more. So that alone is quite cool, that simple mechanic of that. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's the difficulty part. I mean, the other things I do like is some of the simplicity that we, other dungeon crawlers really get well I get quite frustrated with things like the line of sight and we talked about this earlier on in the game you just ignore that in this it's, it's down to the number of spaces it's all about range which is really cool it's very simple to calculate wherever you yeah. are not having to get out rulers and lines of sight and charts <laughs> and and the dice rolling is very simple it's you commit a number of cards to it and then that, that determines how many dice you get there's no complicated maths involved everything flows really smoothly it means the game is really fast with what you're doing and it allows for more tactical play as opposed to just it just doesn't come to a grinding halt and any time that's why i really think this is right up there for mine 
like I've been comparing it in my head and to like the D and D games, like with the surges and the luck tokens. This is miles ahead. Personally, I think this is miles ahead from what that offers. But and the the life being your hand size, it reminds me of Gears of War, and this feels probably more similar to that than some of the other games. I think, yeah, uh, in the way that it plays and the difficulty and the way it ramps up. Uh, but this is a bit more open, uh, and I think the characters in this are a lot more individual. They've got their own traits, and the, if you play to the strength of the traits in this, you can really do well. You got the marksman. If he's hanging back, taking people out from that extra range, he's protecting everyone else. You got the leader who's sacrificing himself quite often. You have got the medic demo expert who's running in, punching stuff with exploding fists. <laughs> <laughs> Thematically not very accurate, no, but uh, it's, it's not strictly exploding fists. It's <laughs> grenades, right? That, that medic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ed, that medic has never applied a bandage in his life, <laughs> unless it was attached to a grenade. He's He's, he's only ever bandaged the bits left over after he's blown an entire room of people to bits. Well, in that first game, I did manage to blow an entire room of people to bits. Uh, But, you know, it it felt like that's what I was focusing on. It was focusing on running in there and attacking. And and I felt like I had to be using those grenades and the the medic parts. Uh, So each of those characters feels more, you're more rooted in them, more invested in them. Whereas Gears of War, your cards are all taken out of a mixed deck. So in Gears of War, you all, you all have access to the same actions, right? Yeah, and it's the same cards. It's just very slight character differences. Whereas this, you have your own individual deck, your own upgrades, your own focus. So it feels a lot more specific. Yeah, if you're the leader and you're firing a shotgun, it's like point blank shotgun blast attacks. And it feels like that. The same with the... A close combat guy is using knives and he's getting right in there. Hamstringing like, them. And, yeah, one yeah. between the ribs and stuff like that. And then if you're the marksman, you're sniping. And yeah, I think the the way the decks are thematically implemented is, is really cool. And one of my favourite things about it is each hero has in their deck two cards, which are mega. Uh, they're, they're, they can either be used as one big powerful attack or as a tactical response. And when, if you manage to play them, it's sort of... It kind of messes up your turn because you don't get to draw any more cards that turn. But then you get to do one really awesome thing that just makes you feel like, yeah, I'm saving the day. So like the close combat guy can do this Reaper action where he just moves a couple of spaces and kills everything that he touches along the way. And uh, if you pull out that card when you're in the middle and you're completely overwhelmed, you know, you can really save the team. And each character has their own opportunity to do that with these cool sort of one-off special attacks. And yeah. Mine was a satchel charges yeah. as a demolitions guy. So you, yeah, you sort of have to cycle your deck to get to them. Um, but the decks are small enough that, that you've got a good chance of of reaching those cards throughout the game. So they are real like cool moments when you when you pull them off. And a lot a lot of the cards in the game are situational. A lot of the abilities are situational. But when you do use them, you know, and you can pull them off effectively, it's a really rewarding thing. That um, yeah, it's, it it doesn't just give you dice. You know, more dice like a lot of dungeon crawlers. It gives you like a real cool tactical opportunity the other the the massive thing about this game that i love which feels taken a lot from the legendary games is the uh reactions it's helping your team out so all of your cards have a secondary ability to help other players out on their turn and they're situational again so it might be helping an ally out within one space or attack a monster in your space but they are massive game changers when you think you're gonna die and you can take something out before it gets to you I think it's just brilliant that, and it's really well done. Just 
you know, half your car's dedicated to what you can do on your turn, half's what you can do on everyone else's turn. Yeah, even just yeah. giving someone else an extra move or letting them draw a card or can an, be, extra, an extra dice or, it can you know, really, yeah, save yeah. the day, can't and it? And that, that player interaction is possibly the best player interaction I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. for helping your team out on their goes. Yeah, because you're scouring, aren't you, for the right reactions to help somebody else. You know, you're like, what can I do to, you know, pull Lecky back off the ground or, you know, get Sam to catch up and over some difficult terrain and stuff. And Yeah, and it really um, brings in a feeling of jeopardy trying to make those decisions because you really want to hold on to your machine gun card so you can kill a few monsters and feel good about yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you're not going to use it for the reaction to stop some monsters attacking another person, then you're probably going to lose the game. So you're like very reluctantly slide your card to the middle of the table and be like it's okay guys i've got this but it could have been glorious <laughs> exactly exactly um and as well with those um you know the, the big um you know kill everything in sight cards um, they're so pleasing to play yeah but the amount of times that i've been waiting for the right moment to use it and then i've just been wounded so i've had to throw it down back into yeah, this card can't hang on to him, can you literally gutting and um <laughs> but it makes you feel so emotionally invested in the game because you really are hoping to pull this card out and to just do something really cool show off in front of your mates and you know basically win the game and be the quarterback but you just can't quite do it um and i find that absolutely fascinating um i'd be really interested to see what's in the expansion packs that you've got um there's a couple of expansions for this game Yes, there's a bunch of small pack expansions, but the ones we've got here are the Africa cycle and Europe cycle. And basically it's more um, enemies, more monster types, more tiles, more bling. They occasionally introduce a couple of minor concepts that just change the, the game slightly. Um, there's a weird thing as well. I guess this has come from the novels. I think there's books written by Mike Langlois that about the Fire Team Zero dudes. So they've all got like these individual personalities and uh, flavorful characters and you're always for some reason dragging these two fellas around with you the professor and the psychic dude who give you like small in-game bonuses and it's quite cool it's well implemented you've got to look after these two dudes basically um and i guess that ties in thematically to the novels or whatever i'm not really 100 percent sure about that but the expansions boost them yeah. a little bit give them a bit of a their own deck to sort of or like a special ability they can use during the game um, but my favourite thing about the expansions is they're so easy to implement. It's just a case of chuck all the extra stuff in, uh, more upgrade cards, more focus cards for the characters, mm-hmm. more monster variety, more scenarios, and more bling. I mean, let's talk about the bling because tiles, miniatures, lots of cards. Um, what's your opinions? On- the, t- the tiles are awesome. Um, like The artwork for the maps, absolutely incredible. The base that we came across today was brilliant. Like just blood everywhere, loads of like broken tiles, like deep chasms, and um, like the woods as well, and very reminiscent again of Mansions of Madness. Um, like the way that the shading works, the way that they are, just kind of like makes you feel like you're part of this world. Um, as well for a like a World War Two style tactical game, it feels very much like Company of Heroes. So you know you you can see where you know your land trap's going to be and which the hills you're going to try and get on top of, get and where, where you're going to get your cover. Yeah, because you have terrain effects, don't you? Like if you you're do. elevated terrain or if you're hidden inside a hut or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, give you a, a bonus to shoot at other guys if you're elevated or bonus defense if you're hidden. Usually they get a bonus defense, the enemies, because they're hidden. That's it, yeah. And I really like the um, the look coin. So that's a really nice touch having just like a stamped metal coin just to like throw down. It feels really weighty. So when someone does get, 
go down. You You've got to flip it over. It. Everyone around the table hears it. Yeah, it's just really nice. Um, and the artwork again on the cards is is great. What do you feel about the whole overall quality of the components? Uh, I disagree on the artwork on some of the cards. <laughs> some of it I think is fantastic, uh, but there's others that just look a bit like a school child has drawn them. Uh, harsh. <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit, bit harsh, but uh, uh, some of it I think is much better quality than the others. I think the board, the tiles are fantastic. The only slight negative on those tiles is some of those terrain highlights can easily be missed. Like we missed the uh, harsh terrain early on in one of the games. Uh, didn't, didn't we cheated? We we did cheat by, but we just didn't notice it. It's not sometimes it's not immediately obvious, uh, but they are beautiful. The tiles are beautiful. Some of the art on the cards is I just don't think is as good as others. There seems to be a vast. Uh, disparity between some of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you about the. Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to disagree with you about like how obvious the different terrains are on the maps. I think it was just, it was basically it was rules error. Like we just forgot about that particular rule. Yeah, it's a while since we played it. Picking yeah. back up, getting back into the swing of it. Exactly. Um, I don't think there's other games that would do a better job. I'm um, going back to Manchester Madness. Actually, I think it's probably better um, than that would have done because rather than just being an effect around the corners, it's like it's the whole colour of the that particular sector. Um, so yeah, other than make it three dimensional and actually pop up out, I don't know what you could do. So make you know, yeah, I don't know how would how you'd improve it. What about the miniatures? Miniatures are great. Really nice. Um, not quite Kingdom Death uh, style of quality, <laughs> um, but really good sculpts. Um, you can some amazing features on there. I've not seen any painted versions yet. Jackie's not yet. Um, you know, <laughs> showing some skills of that. Has she got a copy of the game? Can we can um, we check out her Instagram? She, she can paint mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my painting skills are for crap. And but one thing I do appreciate is these are pre-assembled, unlike a couple of other games. Um, I don't. I don't think they're necessarily the highest, but I, I think I still think they're brilliant. And you know, comparing them to Kingdom Death is probably a little unfair because those are like some of the best minis in the world, sort of thing. Um, but for a game where you can just break it out and it's ready to go, I love them. I love the theme as well. The, the dudes on a map, World War Two, weird like mystical horror elements. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's um, it's a really well thought out world. Um, with like um, is it Division Zero that end up calling in Fire Team Zero? Mm. And it just feels like, you know, the start to a good episode of like alternative A team. You gotta go out and like sort out some problems and but then with the characters and the way that they all interact with each other, it's all through very little flavour text, but it just does enough to kind of put you in the setting. I'd be really interested to um read one of those books, man, to try and dig one out. Yeah, I think I think the flavour text is quite good at developing that story instead of having a book. So whereas like Kingdom Death had the story that you were reading as you went on. This is more drip feeding with the flavor text a little bit more, I think. You did get elements of that with Kingdom Death as well, but I think this is more hinting at what's going on. And I do really quite like that. It just, it feels like you're learning a bit more about the characters as you go on. You get the ones who are a bit more macho and gung-ho uh, and the other characters are a bit more sort of shy and reserving. And it sort of reveals a bit at a time, which uh, like elements of them like that. And it's like almost like you're reading the leader's diary as well like his his debriefing logs and stuff. So it's quite a cool little way of doing it. Yeah, and they are humorously written. I think that actually, we should probably mention that a bit more, that the flavour text is, it's lucid um, and concise, 
but it really delivers a the horror of the setting. You're always like finding out about worms that are infesting people and turning them into these horrible, you know, nasty creatures and stuff. But then you get like these cool sort of quips from the characters, even on the character cards themselves, and um, they've occasionally made us laugh out loud. Which you know, I don't think we've ever got that from a, a game before necessarily. Um, so I think it couples that sort of horror theme really well with these tough guys going in, you know, against overwhelming odds that, you know, they've they've seen worse sort of thing. But even... A bit like aliens. Yeah, no, it's I, that sort of camaraderie up against, yeah, a, yeah, an unstoppable threat, but with, yeah, they're all sort of a version of Hudson like with their cool lines and that. Um, I think that's really well done. <laughs> yeah, it's a very cool game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what other people's opinions are um, who've played Fighting Zero. I, I think... I agree with Sam. It's definitely up there. It's like dungeon crawls go. Uh, so the horror elements are on point. They're not so horrific that you couldn't get, you know, younger players to enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, it's very much feels of an adult nature. And it just it just feels like you can have a great time just in the evening. Great Halloween game. Might kind of um, knock Dead of Winter off its perch for best Halloween game to play. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> maybe. It's just because it may be because it's new. I new might, and shiny. I might, I might agree with that, you know. <laughs> I do. I think, you know, we've, we've played through all the scenarios of Dead of Winter now and it's been brilliant. Um, we've never won, I don't think. <laughs> but no, I've, I've, I've seen plenty more play in Fireteam Zero and we've barely scratched the surface of the scenario so far. And we've still played about six already and there's loads more. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to play it again. Ace. Well, that was a great night playing Fireteam Zero for us. Um, we'll be back very soon to talk about more great games that we've played. So don't forget to comment and like us on iTunes and get in touch. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.